0: Be Wealthy and Smart, Episode 6. Step into a world of wealth and financial freedom without budgets, or bosses on Be Wealthy and Smart. And now, here's your host, Linda P. Jones. Hello, and welcome back to Be Wealthy and Smart. I'm Linda P. Jones, America's Wealth Mentor, empowering women and men worldwide to financial freedom. This episode is the third step to wealth. I can't believe we're already on the third step. We're halfway there. On our last shows, we learned the first and the second steps, The first step was to create a wealthy mindset. And that's because really the way you think is the foundation of all wealth. And it's so important. And that's something that I really learned when studying millionaires and building my own wealth was how do you think? And what do millionaires do to keep themselves positive? The second step to wealth is to save a nest egg, and that's because you need to have some capital where you can invest it and start growing your money. So those were the first two steps that we talked about. Now we're going to talk about the third step. And the third step is to find a mentor, someone who can show you the ropes how to create wealth because they have done it. On this show, you're going to learn what a mentor is, Why it's a good idea to have a mentor, where to find a mentor, who not to use for your mentor, how to select a mentor, and I'm going to share with you a wealth experience, which was when I attended the Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting. So I went to that a few years ago, and I'm going to share with you some of the details, what it was like, and just give you the feeling that you're there. So, first, what is a mentor? Remember when you were learning to ride a bike or to swim and you had someone there showing you actually what to do? Well, in a way, they were kind of being a mentor. They were a teacher. They were someone who knew how to do it and they were showing you how to do it. And that really shortens your path. If you think about it, it could have taken a really long time to learn how to ride a bike or learn how to swim if you didn't have someone there showing you how to do it. So it can really diminish the time that it takes you to learn something, and a mentor is showing you what they know, which also includes their mistakes, because mistakes are an important part of learning, and there's something that you should learn from a mentor. They should tell you what didn't work for them so that you can avoid making the same mistakes. A lot of people don't want to talk about their mistakes. They just want to talk about what they do right and you know, have it look like everything just was effortless and perfect. But you know, life just isn't that way. And we all make mistakes. And I shared with you the very first investment that I really tried was a mutual fund. And I thought I was doing everything the right way. But by looking at the the track record and picking one that had a really good track record, I also didn't realize You know, maybe there were other things to consider. And at that time, I was young and just getting into investing, and I didn't realize all the things to consider. So that, you know, cost me 30% of my investment, just boom, right away, very quickly. So I want to share with you mistakes, too, because it's important for you to learn from other people's mistakes. And a mentor also can save you time and effort. Because trying to figure out things on your own, especially while you're working or have your own business, can be incredibly frustrating and time-consuming and stressful. And we don't want you to do that. I just want you to be able to have the financial freedom that you want and have the rich life that you want to be able to do the things that you'd like to do, whether that's traveling or having a fabulous house or paying for your kid's college or contributing to charity and setting up a foundation or whatever that might be but we want to try and make it easy for you. We all have limited time because all we have is time. So by being smart with our time and learning how to shorten the path, I think that's an important part of a mentor. It can also be very fun. And I think it's important to have someone that is, you have fun learning from because what good is it if you're bored or if you're not having a good time learning and It's also got to be really practical, something that can be step by step or in small bites that you can really learn easily. So how to select a mentor? One of the things to look at is has the mentor accomplished what you want to accomplish? And this is so important because as a mentor myself and as a a business coach, in some cases to some of my clients, I constantly say you cannot coach or teach someone something you haven't done yourself. And yet I see that that's out there in so many ways. But they need to have accomplished what you want to accomplish. It's not enough that they are that they think they're an expert, or they made it part of the way or they accomplished some of it. No, they have to have accomplished everything that you want to accomplish in order to be a mentor. A mentor should also be aligned with what you need. So when you're looking to select a mentor, make sure that what they share is easy to understand. It's something that's not too complicated. They're not speaking over your head. They're not you know, going into some minute detail that you can't grasp yet, but make sure they make it easy to understand. Make sure that they're giving you their time and their patience, that they're not getting frustrated with you and causing emotional uh, problems on your end by them sort of ruffling your feathers. So make sure that they're patient with you. I think a good mentor, too, rewards your successes. Now, not everyone is always going to have success. Of course, you're going to have some failures, you're going to have some Things that you don't feel comfortable doing or can't do yet or aren't sure about yet. And maybe you have success in one area, but you didn't really accomplish everything you wanted to. And that's okay. It's important, I think, to praise people to success and make sure that you're telling them, hey, good job for the things that you did do, even though you didn't get to do everything on your list. So I think it's important that a mentor stays positive. They help you overcome fear because certainly that mindset is so important. And fear is something that everybody struggles with. It's just something that is part of our nature and part of how we're raised and part of everything that we experience. There's It seems like there's fear attached. I mean, just watching television, there's so much fear on television that's perpetuated. Movies and you know, just everything. So there's so much fear and so many things trying to get our attention. You know, when you think about a commercial, they really try to disturb us into thinking that we need their product. So they're either trying to get our attention by doing something really crazy or something shocking or something that is fearful to us, you know, like having a, you know, having someone fall off the side of a mountain or something and and you're like, what? And then and then you see that there was a net beneath them and they're okay or something like that. But they shock you with this fear and it's just so around us all the time. So you want to have someone that can help you overcome the fear that is just inherent in everything that, that goes on and, and that we carry with us from our childhood as well. And you want to know, is your mentor still relevant? if they've done what it is you want to do, is what they've done still relevant? Is the way they've done it still relevant? So you want to make sure that that still works. And you also, when you're selecting a mentor, want to look at, do they have a process that you can learn? So do they have uh, a way that they can teach you a particular way to do the thing that you want to learn? Also, are they being clear with you? And If you are wanting to learn something, are they being really clear with what you want to learn? Are they teaching you the thing you want to learn? Or are they teaching you something that they want to teach you? So make sure that your agenda and their agenda are aligned. And also make sure it's on your time frame. When you're available and when they're available and you're not having to go around their busy schedule. Now, there's lots of different ways to look at mentors. You can look at people on television or in books. Uh, Certainly, I would consider some of my early mentors were people that I read their books. And I love that in terms of mentorship. Uh, It was really helpful for me to read Think and Grow Rich and to read mindset books and to read investment books and to read how to buy stocks, and to read about real estate investing, and all different kinds of things. And that was really great. But I really also learned about business from hiring a mentor myself, several mentors, actually, and really made some leaps ahead when I was able to work with mentors and have them really show me the ropes in a business and how to monetize my business, have basically showed me My whole business in a box at that time, which was, you know, working with people individually and then in groups and then at live events and then having a mastermind and products and services and all of that, I learned that all from mentors. And that saved me a tremendous amount of time and effort and probably a lot of money too from making mistakes myself and not really understanding what to do. So I'm a big proponent of mentors as well. But it depends, you know, what it is you actually want to learn and what it is that you're hiring them to teach you for. Make sure that what they're an expert in is what you really want to learn. I mean, there's people that are financial advisors, but they do have some biases because typically they're selling investments. And so that does create a conflict of interest. And also sometimes when people are selling investments, you know, every, every nail needs a hammer. You know, every, um, everything looks the same and every answer can be the same. So you want to really make sure that you're getting a mentor who is understanding your particular situation and isn't trying to sell you an investment. Um, I think that's really important. So who not to use? So I just mentioned don't use someone who is trying to sell you an investment, Also, don't use someone who hasn't done it themselves, as I mentioned earlier, but there's a lot of financial people out there that are actually journalists, and they write about wealth building, but they actually have never done it for themselves. You also want to look at who do you relate to. If someone doesn't, if you don't relate to them, or they don't inspire you, or they don't make you believe that you can do it on your own, then look at that as well. Look at the personal side of it. You know, there are some that might irritate you or feel like they're talking down to you. And that's definitely not someone you want to use as a mentor. Some mentors may be just familiar with one path to wealth and ask yourself, is that the right path for you? And is this the right time in the cycle to be the right place to be investing? So I would just look at all of that and think about, who is going to be the best mentor for you. Of course, I would be honored to be your wealth mentor. It's my mission, passion, and purpose to show you how to build wealth. And I've done it. So you're in the right place. I had started this podcast so that I can really show people what are the steps to wealth and help them really understand because the one thing I looked for when I was looking to start wealth building was what are the actual steps? Like, where is that manual that says, here's step one, here's step two, here's step three. I couldn't find one. So that's why I created the six steps to wealth. And at one point I actually had eight steps, but I've condensed them into six. But it is so important to know the first step is about mindset. And it's not like mindset, you just conquer it and then you're done. Mindset is something I work on all the time. And it's something that is an ongoing thing with all people who are wealth builders. They know that they need to work on their mindset more than almost anything else. Then the second step, building your nest egg, is of course so you can get started and get started investing. And having a mentor is again going to shorten your path and get you on the path to where you want to go a lot faster. So. Now that you know all about how to find a mentor, I have a wealth experience to share with you. And this is kind of fun because from time to time, I want to share with you some things that I've done that maybe you haven't had an opportunity to do yet. Or maybe you have done this already. If you have, I'd love to hear your experience. But one of the things that was on my bucket list, my list of things I wanted to do before I die, is I wanted to attend a Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting. I wanted to go when Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger were still alive. I wanted to experience what that was like. And so a few years ago, I did attend. I went to the shareholder meeting in Omaha, Nebraska, and it was really interesting. The way that you get there is you can be a shareholder of Berkshire Hathaway, and you get an annual report, and from that annual report, you can get up to four tickets to attend the Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting. Uh, regardless of the number of shares you own, regardless of the share class that you own, you can get four tickets. Well, nowadays, I guess some people are selling them on eBay. So you don't even have to be a shareholder anymore in order to attend. So I hear. Um, I don't know if, if they are restricting that now or if that will ever change in the future. But uh, I do hear that you don't even have to be a shareholder. You can purchase the tickets. It was held at what was the Quest Center at that time. It's now called the Century Link Center Arena. And it's a big arena, just like any arena. And Warren and Charlie are basically at a long table on the floor of the arena. And at that ground level, there is um, kind of a, it seemed like that was where the sort of first-time investors with him, the people that, that had been with him for years and years, maybe, and are billionaires too. Uh, probably Bill Gates was seated down on the floor. Uh, they had a lot of security down there. So there were chairs on the ground floor that uh, were high security. And then there, there, there were the arena seats. And that was packed, of course. And we didn't get there early enough to get an arena seat. I wish we had known how crowded it was going to be. But what happened was it was so crowded that a lot of people were overflowing into the TV monitors that were outside in the walkways, you know, outside in the main open areas of the outs- the external um, exterior of the arena, uh, you know, where you where you buy hamburgers and you go and sit at a table, that kind of a thing. That, those were all crowded too. So those were packed. So the ground floor was packed. The All the arena seats were packed. And then outside where the TV monitors were, were also packed. So there was standing room only. It was kind of like attending a rock concert, only you're not attending a rock concert because there's no music. But there was um, the content, like you were at a board meeting, I would say. But Charlie and Warren were very wonderful. They were warm and gracious. And how they do the questions are they have journalists devise questions and they have the audience submit questions. And then the questions are selected and Warren and Charlie do not see the questions before they're asked. So they just have to respond to whatever questions are asked. And, you know, they're just, they're so fun. They're so bright. And they had... You know, great things to say. They had funny jokes, little quips, um, some serious things about investing or their opinion. Uh, you know, it was it was very good. It 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 does kind of go on for a long time. I'll tell you, it was a long day, um, but it was really fun to see and see them there and experience everything that that entailed you know, the Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting. It was very fun. So it was really neat to hear them and see them in person and really see these rock stars of investing because that's what they are even in their 80s. The other thing that was really interesting about the Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting was um, people attending were, you know, normal people, as well as journalists, Wall Street money managers, people who handle family offices, investment geeks, probably some gawkers maybe too. But there were all kinds of people there who were lovers of investing and of Warren and Charlie and their style and their success. And it was just really fun to people watch and see all who was there. So the night before the meeting, they actually had a big barbecue. And it was in a big white tent outside. They had a band, a live band and open bar. It was kind of like attending a county fair. It sort of felt like that. And very down home, you know, chicken, baked beans, salad, that kind of barbecue stuff. And people could talk and share stories. And people were really friendly. It was just a really nice party. So they had a big party the night before, and then they had the meetings the next day, and uh, they, you know, really just did a good job with everything. And at the um, at the what was the Quest Center too, the CenturyLink uh, Center now they. Down below where Warren and Charlie were, down in the lower level, I was kind of surprised because I didn't realize that they had this sort of bizarre setup with all of the shops that Berkshire Hathaway owns, you know, little shops from the companies that Berkshire Hathaway owns. So you could buy C's Candies, uh, they had, you know, a bookstore selling all these books, about Berkshire Hathaway and other things, they had um, net jets. Of course, their airplane leasing company was there and had a big display about how to lease jets. And the fun thing, okay, this is really cool, was they they told us that if we wanted to go and tour the jets, that they had brought some jets over to the airplane hangar, and we could go tour the jets. So they had a little shuttle bus that took us from the center over to the airport. And of course, I had to go. And uh, we got to go into the airplane hangar and tour the Gulfstream jets. And there were other brands of jets. But I was most interested in seeing the Gulfstreams because I heard about them. And they're sort of famous for being, you know, like a a Rolls Royce or Bentley of jets. Um, And it was so fun to go on and tour them. And there were long lines of people waiting to tour all these jets, but they had, I don't know, maybe seven, I think there. So it was really fun. And, uh, you know, I was teasing the captain. He was standing at the bottom of the stairs before we got on in his uniform, his pilot's uniform. And he's, he's like, so where are we going today? And I, you know, was teasing him. Oh, we're going to Paris today. And, you know, gonna be a great day. We're gonna have a fun, fun time flying over there for dinner. And um, so we were having a good time with bantering back and forth. But the jets were amazing. And just it was incredible. It was such a dream. And just, you know, a little mindset tip on this. I just have to say that whether or not you can afford something, whether or not you're actually in the market for a jet, it doesn't matter. You should actually take someone up on the opportunity to expand your mind and see these kinds of things and tour these kinds of things. You know, some people are like, oh, well, I can't buy one. So why should I waste my time seeing one? Well, I happen to think differently. I happen to think the mindset is I may not be able to afford a jet now, but maybe I can in my future and I better start shopping for one right now so that You know, I'm preparing more for it to be in my life rather than rejecting it out of my life. So I think it's really important that you do that. Another thing that was really fun was the jewelry store that Berkshire Hathaway owns is called Borsham's. And Borsham's is where Bill Gates bought Melinda's engagement ring, and, and Warren helped him connect in with Borsham's. I'm sure he got a good deal too. But they have a shopping day at Borsham's, and that was really incredible because, you know, with Berkshire Hathaway, there's so many billionaires that it's created that they bring in a lot of very special merchandise for that's, that's very high end. So things you would never in a million years see in a regular jewelry store, like pink diamonds that are worth $25 million, they had, and I got to try on. So once again, it's take that opportunity to try on something or shop for something or be open to looking at something, even if it's not something you're going to be able to buy. So yeah, $25 million pink diamond. It was pretty spectacular and pretty fun to try on and pretty cool that they just let you try it on. Of course, there's tons of security there, but that was really neat. And I hear the hottest thing right now are diamonds that are inscribed with Warren Buffett's signature so there's like even on like a half carat diamond they inscribe it with a laser they put his signature on there and I hear that these things are flying out the doors at Borsham so that's kind of the cool latest thing that's kind of fun um And they have other jewelry there, lots of nice jewelry that they give you really good discounts on. So I actually did buy some really nice earrings while I was there and enjoyed um, looking at the display. They did a really good job. So also they had a nice brunch and they had uh, some fun entertainment. Warren is really into chess and bridge and table tennis. So they had a three-dimensional chess match going on with warren and this u.s chess champion which is pretty cool patrick Wolfe. and then he also blindfolds himself and plays six tables of chess at the same time i mean the guy is unbelievable you have to see it to to believe it it's incredible they also had a table tennis champion there uh they had bridge tables there warren was playing bridge So it was sort of like food, fun, and finance. I mean, it was really a big party. It was really well done. You really felt special. It was really cool. I have to say, although I really enjoyed myself, it was one of those things that I'm glad I went. I'm really glad I had the opportunity to go while Warren and Charlie are still alive. But I really don't feel the need to go again. Uh, It was one of those things. It was like, okay, well, that was on my bucket list. And I went there and experienced it. And I'm really glad I did, it was super special, but I don't think it's something I wanna do again. So, um, you know, to each his own and there's nothing wrong with it. It was a great time, but that's just, that was just how I felt. It was once for me and okay, next. So um, it was really fun, though. If you haven't gone, I really encourage you to go. If you have gone, I'd love to hear your feedback and your experiences. And if you're an annual goer, maybe, maybe you go every year. And, you know, maybe you love it and experience it and have a lot of friends that go and have a reunion each year. I don't know. But um, I'd love to hear your experience. Well, so today what what we learned was what is a mentor? and why it's a good idea to have a mentor, and how to find a mentor, who not to use as a mentor, and how to select a mentor. So this week, your, or this episode, your action step is to write what's important for selecting your wealth mentor in your wealth journal. Write who your wealth mentor is and why, or if you have more than one, who they are. So, keep that wealth journal going these are things that i'm going to give you action steps uh, at the end of every show and they will often involve your wealth journal so if you haven't started your wealth journal yet i really encourage you to pick up a blank book or start it online in a in a uh, a word file or uh, just take a blank piece of paper it doesn't matter it doesn't have to be fancy But just start your wealth journal. Start keeping notes about what you're thinking about money and wealth, what you're learning about money and wealth. You know, the steps that we're going through are the one, two, three, four, five, six of how wealth is created. And once you have an understanding of that, I hope that it really inspires you to see that it's not as difficult as you might think. And that you can see where you are on the path to wealth, and you can see where you need help, and you can see maybe where you've been stuck, or why you haven't had the success you've wanted, or why you have had the success you've had. So, you know, these steps are really going to be clarifying. They're not probably, you know, earth shattering in something that's different that I teach, but it is something that's really clear. They are step-by-step. This is how wealth is built. And in my world when I was young of wondering why are some people rich and why are other people not rich? These six steps are what I really found to be the answer to that question. So I'm sharing them with you so that you can really dig into this and really see how wealth is created. And then you'll be able to plug in some of the things that will work on a timely basis for you and based on your experience and what else is going on with you, um, how much cash you're starting with, how much expertise you have in certain areas, how much time you have to devote to it. All of those things are going to go into, you know, how you're building your wealth and they're going to impact how you build your wealth. So I'm going to give you the tools. I'm going to share with you the easy steps so that you can see wealth building doesn't have to be overwhelming and financial freedom is something that is within your reach and it's my mission passion and purpose to have that happen for you so thank you so much for joining me today if you're eager to start on the first step to wealth your wealthy mindset go on over to my website bewealthyandsmart.com and sign up for 20 days to a wealthy mindset These are daily emails with videos, audios, and information to help you change your thinking from lack to wealth in 21 days. Because how you think is the foundation for all wealth. And it's so important to get to everything else we're doing. So you want to get started now removing your limiting beliefs. So that's BeWealthyAndSmart.com. Until next time, live the good life and be wealthy and smart. Thank you for listening to Be Wealthy and Smart with Linda P. Jones. Share the wealth and tell your family and friends about the show. Check out our website, blog and social media for more riches at www.bewealthyandsmart.com.